Good morning, everyone. This is Steve Bradley, God's Wordsmith, coming to you with a message about Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 24. And it, I've titled it, When You Don't Want to Listen, because that's exactly what the Pharisees and many of the other Jews did when Jesus preached. They were quite happy to receive his miracles, but the rest they didn't want. The problem with many of us is excuses. And we often find a reason to reject facts we don't like. And so Jesus begins this section by saying, but to what shall I liken this generation? Well, it's like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourn to you and you did not lament. And then he makes the application. He says, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came both eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a glutton, a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And then he makes this comment. He says, but wisdom is justified by our children. Now, Jesus' words are amazingly timely to this generation because we sometimes think that the form of the words we use if we're in ministry or the quality of our lives will automatically create a positive response. But that sometimes just doesn't work. And the reason for that is that some people do not want to hear what you have to say however you say it. It is true that people may sometimes respond to different attitudes in preaching, but often if hearts are hard and if the will is against the word of God, nothing works. And this is Jesus' point. Many rejected John's message because he was too austere, too demanding. Then Jesus came. He came eating and drinking and partying and having a good time. And the same people rejected Jesus' message because he was too common, too social, too accepting, too loving of uh, publicans and sinners and other people that weren't the proper people. So this is what many of the leaders in Judaism did. They rejected the content of the message no matter how it was presented. And in doing so, they rejected God and his call to repent. Now, the point is that God sees through all these excuses. They are completely transparent to him. Just like Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So what? God is saying here to us in, in Hebrews is that there's no way to hide. It's all open. God sees into your heart of hearts. He sees the inner motivations that you try to hide that really cause you to do what you choose to do. And it's always well for us, whoever we are, to keep Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 9 and 10 in mind. 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And then the counterpoint to it is this. I, the Lord, search the hearts. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Thing is, God knows you, knows me, and sometimes that scares me. God knew the Jews who rejected both John the Baptist and Jesus, and their excuses were nothing to him. He saw through them instantly. Now, there are consequences to this. The problem with rejecting God and his message is the future. God commands repentance when he calls for it. When we reject that, the consequences are inevitable. And we read this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Matthew chapter 11, 20. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. That background sound you hear is the dog barking at a cat, I think. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, you who are exalted to heaven, you'll be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have, been, it would have remained until this day. I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Now, there are some lessons that we can learn through this. And the first one is that there exists a judgment by location. And that is how Sodom and Gomorrah were judged. This directly reflects on the politics, spirituality, and lifestyle of those locations. Oh, you didn't know God judges you for your politics. Well, why wouldn't he? Politicians believe, and this is pretty obvious when you watch what they do, that God and politics are separable. That is not true. God calls us to submit all of our lives to him, including politics, including voting, including our social decisions. Many of these decisions are vexing and difficult, but we must make them if it is in our power to do so. There also exists a judgment in response to God's good works. Jesus expected, but did not receive, a response equal to the good he had done for the people of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, based on the concept that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. God calls you and me to repent and turn to him. If we do not, judgment is the next thing. And the Father has committed all judgment to the Son. So if you are in good graces with the Son, you're in good graces with the Father. 
and God is both severe and gracious. On the one hand, when the Jews of those cities rejected Jesus' call to repentance, they earned a spot in God's final condemnation. But John writes in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in 2 Peter, Peter writes, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, he does not want to judge. That is not his major goal. His goal is salvation. You want Judgment Day to be an introduction to heaven? You can have it that way. Repent, confess, submit your life to God, and turn to his Son, Jesus Christ, for eternal life. For it is written, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you can have that everlasting life. The Bible says, if any man hears my voice and believes him who sent me, he shall have everlasting life and not come into judgment, but he is passed from death into life. So God actually has it set up so that your life can be an introduction into the eternal life that all of us truly, really want. God bless you all. This is Steve Bradley, God's Wordsmith.